1: Growing a Food Movement. This is Jessica Wade. I'm with Very Good Food. Um, I'd like to go ahead and shout out to Specialty Produce for having us today and letting us use this amazing and professional studio that we adore. Today I have uh, Becky Mendoza with me from Changing Tides, Community Compost Movement, and a bunch of other really rad stuff. So I'd like to start out. Um, Becky, thank you so much for being here with us. This Thanks is exciting. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I'd love to just start out with your story a little bit, like how you ended up here doing what you're doing.
0: Okay, so I'm a, definitely an unlikely candidate for for where I am right now in my life, but um, I'm actually an attorney, and I'm from Miami, Florida, um, probably the least eco-conscious place you can be from here. I didn't know that actually. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's pretty um, yeah, they're pretty just ignorant about uh, about eco topics. Um, so anyways, I moved to San Diego in two thousand and nine. I'm sorry two thousand seven and I uh, started my law practice out here' it's Action sports law group. so I work with professional athletes in surf, snow skateboarding, helping them get visas to the United States. um and I love surfing. and so, as a surfer, I was going on a lot of surf trips and kind of saw different issues in these different global coastal communities that I'd visit. And I kind of wanted to do something to help out uh, rather than just take their waves. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, yeah, I started taking water filters with me on surf trips and started to engage with the communities and talk to people and learn more about what issues they struggle with. And um, in 2016, we got the idea for Changing Tides Foundation. Mm-hmm. And so I partnered with um, four of my best friends Half the team lives on Oahu and the other half of us live here uh, in San Diego. And we started Changing Tides Foundation in an effort to um, help educate travelers on how to adventure in a conscious way, um, to give back to communities that we visit uh, and address social, environmental, health and safety concerns that are specific to their community and to just do what we can to uh, provide clean water and educate people on environmental issues and how to Take care of our planet as as surfers, we're stewards of of the ocean, you know. And so it's our job to protect our playground. And so that's kind of how it all started. Uh, and then back in February of this year, we launched the community compost movement on the North Shore of Oahu. And our team on the North Shore had a really um, hard time because their they rent and their landlords wouldn't allow them to compost because of vermin and rodents. Mm-hmm. And so they really wanted to be able to compost their their food waste. And so and we found that was the story over and over again um, with other friends and, and neighbors. And so the girls came to me with the idea of let's launch a compost program and engage the community. And so we launched that in February. And it's a weekly food scrap pickup service. And we use a Bokashi method to turn um, food scraps into nutritious compost that can be used to grow food.
1: That's incredible. And I am so excited to share with everyone or have you share with everyone a little bit more about the um, bakashi process and composting in general and how we can kind of integrate that into our our home life because I think people are really curious about that. I was up until very recently really curious about how to do that on a smaller scale. Um, but first, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit more about Changing Tides and some of the surface uh, services you may offer and like how you really empower individuals to make you know, eco-healthy choices. Yeah.
0: So one of our biggest uh, initiatives is adventure consciously. Mm-hmm. And so our whole thing is leave the places we visit better than we found them. Um, but it also extends to living consciously, right? So mm-hmm. it's like all these things that we're telling people to travel with, they're things that you can carry with you in your bag every single day and, and make a difference here in your backyard. So the bigger issue we saw is that where we were visiting, they didn't have proper trash collection. Mm-hmm. And so and, – and hardly any recycling systems. Like if there was one, it was like a miracle. Yeah. I'm um. So it was just really important for us to not make their problems worse. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with that being the base, so we started off like as a travel-based organization and really just encouraging people to bring your own utensils, bring your own water bottle, bring a water filter with you. Um, and I think on the first Changing Tides trip that we did, um, we actually – counted in 5 days we saved about 60 water bottles from the landfill just by bringing a water filter awesome. and our own bottles. Yeah. So that was really uh really powerful um just seeing the impact that we can have and it kind of all started with us you know bringing our bamboo utensils with us and kind of re- our reusable bags mm-hmm. and just feeling good every single time mm-hmm. you're refusing a piece of single use plastic and that kind of just like kept Um, snowballing into, okay, well, what else can we do? What more can we do? And so our goal is to really help people understand that they can make a difference Mm -hmm. um, by just making better choices Uh for the planet. And so that's one way where anybody can get involved. And um, we also do very hands-on community work. So we have projects in uh, Panama and Dominican Republic. We've done work in Sri Lanka, in Mexico (coughs) And in Peru, we just got back from Peru, and most of our programs are involving women awesome. and involving um, the females in the community and giving them a space to come together to talk about environmental issues, to manage clean drinking water, to uh, mentor one another and prov- create a safe space um, to, yeah, give them an opportunity to, to get involved in their community and to make a difference and in our issues that, you know, are plaguing our environment.
1: Oh, that's incredible. It's it's just such heartening work. And it's so incredible to hear that you're doing that and exciting. And one thing we talked about a little bit before we started today, I think, and it's a kind of a constant theme, is that idea of inclusivity, that we're not shaming anyone. We're trying to empower them to make decisions. And have you faced any challenges along the way in your outreach and kind of adjusting your strategies on how to reach people?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um one of the things we learn when we start touching on the environmental space is that we're gonna be held under a microscope absolutely so we're gonna be responsible for practicing what we preach, of course, you mm-hmm. know, and so um the whole thing is is that we all started learning as we started changing tides, so mm-hmm. none of us were practicing zero waste, none of us you know knew about these little trips uh these little tricks and tips, mm-hmm. and so our goal was. Rather than, like like we said, shaming people, it's rather bringing them on the journey with us and inviting them to participate and make small changes in their life that might make um, them feel better and might encourage them to make more changes. Mm-hmm. And so one of our initiatives that I think was a big game changer for a lot of people is what we call the plastic swear jar challenge.
1: And I saw that online. I didn't know what it was though. Yeah, tell so I'll tell it. you. I'll tell you all about it. So,
0: um basically we've done it every Earth Day since we started, which is we only started 3 years ago uh, as an organization. So we we um we've done it every Earth Day and it's basically the same concept as a swear jar, but instead mm-hmm. of putting a dollar in a jar every time you say a bad word, you do it every time you use an item of single-use plastic. So, for one week you keep track of your swears. And at the end of the week, we encourage people to either use that money to purchase reusables that are going to make them better in okay. their day to day, or they can donate it to Changing Tides Foundation, and we'll awesome. use it—you know—we'll use it for our environmental initiatives. But um, the goal is self-awareness. The goal is what, like, it's really looking inside and saying, like, oh wow, I thought I was really good because I yeah. brought my utensils, but I didn't realize all the stuff I'm buying in the grocery store. Or everything – you really start realizing that everything is wrapped in plastic. And so more than anything, it's just uh, – it's about awareness. We we strongly believe that awareness is the catalyst to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's pretty well known. And so um, it's just a first step, and it's just a gentle way to introduce people to the idea of reducing their plastic waste. And, you know, it it's uh, – the zero waste chef said it actually perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard this before, but we don't need um, – A handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly. I love that. And so that is really what we're striving for is just kind of helping people who want, you know, who have this like, Okay, I wanna do something. Okay, we'll say this here's how you can start, you know, and, and just take it from there. We don't have to be perfect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said a couple times about how you feel good. It's almost like when you change your diet and you start making better choices in your diet, it's not just because you know it's good for you or good for the planet, you know, Mm -hmm. in multiple different cases, but you actually start to feel physically good when you change your diet. Or in this situation, you feel good when you know you're making those good choices. And remember when we first met, we talked a little bit about like this idea of eco guilt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think anybody who is now becoming aware, becoming conscious of all of this kind of carries around this feeling of like, oh, God, you know, it's almost like this weight of when they, when we make bad choices, we don't feel good about those. And so the idea that every single time we make a good choice, we can feel a little bit better. And that really continues to kind of push that um, push that envelope for each of us as individuals Um what about, um, you say, like offering different options. What is Changing Tides doing as far as offering resources? Like if I'm sitting here and I'm really stuck on how to, you know, live a more um, sustainable lifestyle, say even though the S word is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. awkward for all of us at this point because it means so much and so little. But if, I, if I'm a little stuck, like how, how would Changing Tides really support me? So
0: we are, I mean, constantly, especially on social media, on our Instagram uh-huh. and Facebook, we're constantly offering tricks and tips. Uh-huh. Um, like how to make your bathroom more eco-friendly, how to be um, zero waste on your period, Uh you know, things that people don't really talk about. We as women are pretty major culprits of, you know, of pollution through our menstrual cycles. So um, it's just, it's introducing people to things that they really didn't think about before. So one of our, um, on our website, we have a shop Mm-hmm. We have, like, our eco-conscious or our plastic-free shop. Mm-hmm. And that has, like, all of the best products that we started with on our journey to become better, you know, and reduce our plastic waste. So we have bamboo utensils. We have, like I said, um, reusable water bottles. We actually have a water bottle that has a – it's from Mizu. And they ha- there's a filter inside the water bottle that you could just take with you. And um, we have the stasher bags. We have, um, yeah, they're reusable silicone bags. So we we carry things in our shop. We have the beeswax wrap cloths. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> That's my favorite. and so we carry things that <clears throat> have helped us on our journey, and um, and we also have a blog where you can go and, and find some tips as well. But I would say our social media, we're pretty on it uh, about just harping on different. Um, topics, mm-hmm. and every time we find out about something new, we're definitely uh, presenting that to our audience as Here well.
1: to share it. Yeah, that's one thing I really like about your platform is that it is very – it's inclusive. It's positive. I mean, I think we're all kind of tired at looking at social media and seeing all of these negative things all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, being plant-based, I follow a lot of vegan sites, and sometimes I just feel like I'm seeing all of these sad images and these kind of cataclysmic, you know, environmental images, and it's really nice to have – different organizations that are providing solutions Mm -hmm. and that's i I really love that about you guys um when we talk about inclusivity i think it's really important i love the fact that you're so women focused and also um and really you know making it a journey and not just about being you know right or wrong but then also one thing that comes up a lot and i think we talk about this a lot in sustainable food and regenerative food movement is inclusivity as far as um you know Socioeconomic and how we can really reach people and provide them solutions that might not have the means to go out and buy these, you know, great designer water bottles. Totally. <laughs> I wave that in front of the camera because I, you know, I get called on that all the time. Even though when I do the math as far as purchasing a plastic water bottle versus purchasing something like right. this, it really does turn out to be advantageous. But from the perspective of how do we empower people who might not have the means to mm-hmm. buy the you know, the top of the line products, do you guys address that at all?
0: We have, yeah. Um yeah. so basically when we have gone out to New York a few times and we actually did a training with the Patagonia employees. They were doing, they were running like a zero waste challenge for uh, the month of August last year. And um, we went out there and talked to them about, you know, you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of stuff, right? That's not our ethos. So we're just saying, okay, if you, if this is what you want, we've got it, but you can just pull a knife, fork and spoon out of your drawer yeah. You know, use a little ribbon to tie it up or whatever yeah. and stick it in your purse and that's fine. Um, and I feel like with, with things like water bottles, I mean, I have a surplus. So if anyone needs yeah. a water bottle, call <laughs> me know. because we have like too many to, you know, mm-hmm. too many to carry. But I feel like um, it's it's pretty easy to get, you know, a it stainless is. steel water bottle or bring a cup with you, you know, throw a jar in your purse or have a, you know, have a stainless steel cup. You know, in your car, yeah. um, and just, I would say more than anything, it's it's the preparedness of mm-hmm. it all. It's uh, it's just thinking a little, a couple steps ahead before you yeah. leave the house, and I think that makes the, the host of difference. But as far as, um, as far as like the finances, you know, really we have everything we need mm-hmm. to reduce our plastic waste. Exactly. You know, we have it with us already. So it's just a matter of getting creative and figuring out how that's to, right. you know, you can cut up an old dress and use that as a napkin. I
1: love that. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought of that one so, before. So, yeah. That's, um, no, that's really great. I, I laugh because I always grab mason jars and run to go to the coffee place if I don't have it. There's one coffee shop that won't let me do it because, I, you know, they need a lid when they hand it back to me. So yeah. I remember I have to bring my lid when I go there. But it's just, <laughs> I think you're really right because this disposable lifestyle that we've kind of fallen almost victim to, really. I mean, it is victimizing in a, in a big way for the planet and for, you know, our experience. We, we're really, you know, we're just taking the easy way out so often. And that's not to say we're bad. It's just kind of what we've been raised with. Totally. And now we have this option to be a little bit more intentional. And yeah, it takes a couple more minutes to to plan all of the things I might need if mm-hmm. I have leftovers when I eat at, you know at a restaurant or whatever it is. But that feeling when I walk away and know that I haven't created a negative impact for our environment when I've taken that decision, that's a win. Like, that's an awesome feeling. Exactly. So, um, that's, that's so cool. I love everything you guys are doing with Changing Tides, and I'm so excited. Um, so regarding food, I mean, do you have any thoughts on in your travels and your experience with Changing Tides, how you've integrated kind of this idea of a more local and just food system? And the only way, re- reason I ask that is just because we're very good food, and that's what our focus is. Um, have you observed any changes over your time or any way that you've had an impact on the food systems in the places you've traveled or locally? Um, I think generally, like we definitely, as part of our travel
0: tips, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things we encourage is for people to um, support local. Uh And when when you're traveling, it's kind of challenging because a lot of the places that we go are really remote locations and you don't really know where the food's coming from. There's no one to really trust. And if you get sick, then... You know, there goes there your goes holiday. Your you know, yeah, so um, so it's really it's really interesting, and and there's the other issue with clean water and whether you're using that to wash your produce, and then absolutely. that can make you sick as well. So um, when we can, absolutely, we are supporting local and we're asking questions, and I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, is to like I said, engage with the community and talk to people and ask questions. And, um, you know, if you're traveling somewhere, you've got a few hours, like, yeah. and there's a farm, like, go, go check it out, check you out know. Exactly. So people love talking about, you know, what they're doing, what they're growing. And so it's just really cool to be able to connect um, with the with the local farmers and, you know, in the places we go to. Um, when we were in Peru, we were eating fish that were coming straight off the boats of the artisanal fishermen. And they're fishing with, like, hand lines. And, you know, so it was, like, really cool to be able to— see it all you know yeah. see watch the process happen and not have to question you know how long has this been left out and oh, you know the yeah. things that we're just that are that are insecure when you're traveling somewhere that you know you just don't know where things are coming from so it's a bit of a of a balancing act you know yeah. here. It's it's a different story, you know. Here, we have it really
1: good in San Diego. (laughs) Exactly,
0: (laughs) exactly. And it's the same. It's the same on Oahu and and most places in the U.S. But um, it's quite easy to find a local farm and to say, okay, well, I'm going to join the CSA or I'm going to go to the farmers market and shop there. Um, And for us, with our community compost movement on the North Shore, we're actually processing our compost on a farm. Awesome. And so they've given us space and in turn we give them some soil back yeah. and it's just been a really cool symbiosis. Um, and it's really closing the loop on the food cycle. So that's mm-hmm. the beautiful part is saying, okay, well, these food scraps that were grown using this soil is then going back, you know, whatever's left over is going back into the soil to grow more food. And it's really closing you know, it's really closing that loop. And somewhere like the North Shore – the North Shore of Oahu is like a really small um, community where they people have a lot of land. It's mm-hmm. like land rich, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas like here in San Diego, everyone's – it seems like everyone's really pretty close together. Yeah. So me, for example, I actually don't have a yard. I have a co- little concrete jungle in the back and I, I actually grow my food on a tower garden. Awesome. And I've repurposed a few old bookshelves for like my herbs and, yeah. you know, I have some pots. But, yeah, it's been – and I I compost with worms in my yard, and I use that vermicast for my potted plants. That's so awesome. So, I mean, it's it's really cool, but more than anything, I think I love the fact that I've been able to just figure it out. Yeah. You know, I don't have the options, and it's like, okay, well – it, gr- not growing food is, is not an option for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, how am I going to make this work? And my boyfriend is a chef. Uh-huh. And so it's been really cool. He He's a personal chef and does some um, like prep work and, you know, maybe some cleaning at the house. And so we're taking those food scraps and we're we're composting them and we're diverting. I love weighing the food,
1: <laughs> you know, awesome.
0: like we weigh uh-huh. our buckets, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and we get to – Kind of calculate how much food waste we're diverting, and yeah, that's awesome. And um, something we're doing with our with our members on the on the North Shore is providing them carbon offset reports as well, awesome. so they can feel good about what yeah. they're doing. We want to say like, yes, you're doing a great thing here, um, and you're creating soil, but you're also you know we're sequestering carbon, and Absolutely. we're you know we're really like making personal changes to help combat climate change. And I think yeah. food waste is such a big issue um and so much food gets wasted and the, the more i learn I'm, I'm like down a rabbit hole right now yeah. of food waste you yeah. know um and it looks like so, a lot has it has started to be done mm-hmm. um as far as like you know allowing grocery stores to donate you know their expired you know mm-hmm. whatever expired means right but yeah. their produce instead of just throwing it in the dumpster out back they're like allowing um local organizations that feed the needy yeah. um to come in and take that food waste and so but we we've learned a lot starting the compost movement especially about how much methane and how much yeah. you know is Absolutely. released into the atmosphere when we don't compost completely you know and so if we can like not only make space in our landfills but you know sequester carbon and reduce you know, methane. At the same time, it's it's kind of a no brainer.
1: That's and it's such a win 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 because it's like you're. First of all, we're being more intentional about how much we're wasting. So the you know all of the labor, all of the resources that go into growing that food, um, are not being squandered, right? Right. So we waste less in the first place, and then when we do have a little bit of food waste, that we're not using. <clears throat> we put that in the bakashi or the you know compost, exactly, and we can regenerate our soils with this amazing you know this beautiful composted soil. And then there's that whole it's not going in the landfill and reducing. Releasing methane, so I just think when you start to like really wrap your head around it, like all of the solutions and what that means for us, for our diets, for our planet, it's really exciting. You know, it is. It's super satisfying to even think about it. so if we can, I mean, I, I could talk about food all day. Yeah. That's that's my favorite. <laughs> and, you know, now I'm sitting here with all these questions about everything that you're doing. And I love the, the home garden component because mm-hmm. I think that is such a huge thing. It's like, okay, great. Like, if we live somewhere that has a huge amount of land, we can grow a bunch of food. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I did the same thing when I was in college. I was growing, like, Swiss chard and a few other things I managed to keep alive on a little patio. Yeah. And I ate from it every day. Yeah. And it was awesome. And maybe I couldn't have afforded those things had I gone to the farmer's market at that point in my life. But I could grow them right in my patio. Yeah. And and I love that. And there's something so satisfying about just picking your food too when you go out, you know, it's totally it's a beautiful experience. Um but I'd like to dive a little bit more into that process of composting mm-hmm. um, and how you know how you do that at home, what you're doing with the community compost movement, mm-hmm. how you're would you mind just kind of giving us that overview? Yeah.
0: So awesome. um me personally, what I'm doing at home is I have two systems going. Um, I have a worm bin. So I I have my little worms that I I keep nice <laughs> Sorry, and fat and fed. Yeah, that's
1: so nice and fat and fed.
0: Yeah, and um and so that's been really cool is is learning about mm-hmm. how to you know I I did kill a couple batches of worms. You know I'm not perfect. <laughs> not, no,
1: there's no judgment. No but shame
0: but I've gotten so much better and now it, you mm-hmm. know worms are hermaphrodites and so they kind of like self reproduce uh-huh. and so like when they multiply you know you can put in a small amount and next thing you know there's like there's a ton of them and so I'm like okay that means that they're healthy and happy yeah. right fat and happy. And so, um, the problem with the worms is they're pretty picky. So you can't really throw in citrus. You don't really want to throw in like onion, can't put in any meat. So it's like you're really limited to certain fruit and veggie scraps. Okay. And so, and then also you, with the system I have, I don't have, like I said, I don't really have a big yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my my bins are small, and so you, you kind of can't overfeed them either. So I use the worms uh, as one method of composting, and then I also use bokashi. Mm-hmm. Bokashi is uh, – it's totally not new, but it's just starting to really blow up. Yeah. Um, I believe it was first discovered or implemented mm-hmm. in, like, South Korea. Okay. And – now it's uh it's basically bokashi is just effective microorganism which is a liquid that has these amazing microbes in it um inoculated into some sort of a bran so you can use like rice husks you can use wheat bran and that added with molasses mm-hmm basically inoculates this effective microorganism. And so the effective microorganism spreads throughout this bran, and then you leave it for a couple weeks to ferment, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then you dry it out. And once you dry it out, it's shelf-stable, and so you can basically just store it in a dry place. And then with Bokashi— You essentially are putting in food scraps, let's say if you have a compost bucket, you're putting in food scraps and then you're adding, you're like sprinkling bokashi on it. And the bokashi, what it does is it pickles your food. So the radical thing about bokashi is that you can compost meat waste, Mm -hmm. you can compost bones, you can compost fat, all these different things that really didn't go well in traditional compost piles, all of a sudden you can compost that. Mm -hmm. And so – um with the bokashi system and this is what we use on the north shore um we're seeing we're using bokashi as a soil amendment so essentially we're adding bokashi we're layering bokashi with subpar soil mm-hmm. in piles like awesome. in in uh, rounds mm-hmm. and and then letting them sit for 6 to 8 weeks and once that 6 to 8 weeks is up we're sifting out compost awesome which normally would take 6 to 8 months in a mm-hmm. traditional pile so it's like the speed of it is amazing. The nutrient levels are through the roof. Like it's like a party that happens yeah. in there. Yeah, <laughs> I like
1: that. And so
0: it's amazing. And so um, I skipped a step, but uh-huh. what we do with with the um, – like we use five-gallon buckets uh-huh. with a screw top lid because you definitely want to starve starve it of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're kind of adding in a food waste, Bokashi, food waste, Bokashi. And once it's full, you want to screw the, the lid on like real tight, keep it in a dark place, And give it two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's where the magic happens. So that essentially your food becomes pickled. Mm -hmm. And when you add that onto, you know, when you add that into soil or or even if you dig a trench and bury it into the ground, Mm -hmm. it's just incredible what happens. And another awesome thing is that you can feed bokashi scraps to the worms. Oh, I didn't
1: know that. <laughs> so that's, that's
0: a double insane. bonus. Yeah. <laughs> and you can a- actually put the bokashi food waste in a uh, traditional compost pile. Okay. the best thing about it is that it's like doesn't really smell. Yeah. So you know the really moldy nasty smells you get with compost? Yeah. With bokashi, it's more of like a sour, like almost like a kombucha or like, yeah. you know, where you get that kind of sour um smell. Depending on what you put in there. Like yeah. if you put a bunch of pineapple in there, it'll smell like kind oh, of okay. sweet <laughs> and sour pineapple. Yeah. Um, but depending on what you put in there, you're you're really eliminating these like the ugly parts of composting at yeah. home, which is like
1: yeah. all
0: all the crazy like yeah. like yeah.
1: So, okay. The funk
0: that happens in the compost.
1: <laughs> the funk. I like that. Well, and it's <clears throat> funny because I have a little experience now with Bokashi, mm-hmm. and that's through our restaurants because we couldn't, we didn't have a great compost solution, so we started working with Bokashi. And the one thing I have to say is get that lid screwed on tight. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it does, as it ferments, start to bubble over. <laughs> okay. So I'm very familiar with that smell because some of our late-night dishwashers have left them and put them in the back, oh, and all no. of a sudden, I've got this cool, bubbly cauldron thing going on. But then, um, so say they, I mean, it, it's really easy. I got, you know, I got the buckets, I got the lids, we got mm-hmm. the Bakashi grain. We, you know, bought it locally from someone who's making it, Ron, mm-hmm. who you probably could go, you know, tell us a little bit more about too. But then my question is, you know, now I bring it out to a local farm and they do kind of the same thing. They mm-hmm. integrate it into their compost, into their soil, and we buy their veggies back from them. But um, if I were doing this at home, what would I do with that bucket once it had been sitting there for two weeks? Like okay. would I just – if I didn't have a backyard, like, yeah. what would I do? Or feed it to my worms. But, exactly.
0: And so yeah. one of the – so with, with our North Shore Community Compost Movement, it's mm-hmm. geared towards people who aren't able to compost on their own land. Okay. But for people who are able to compost on their own land um, – You can, we've run Bokashi workshops before, Mm -hmm. basically teaching people how to make the Bokashi and then use the Bokashi at home. So one of, I mean, I've seen many ways of it being used. I feel like there's not Mm -hmm. really a wrong way for Uh it to be used. But once that, like I said, once that two-week party happens in the Uh bucket where it like it ferments (laughs) and it's pickled, then it's Mm -hmm. ready to be introduced into the soil. So the, I actually work with a local farm, Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, Ed, who takes Mm -hmm. my, my Bokashi buckets, I just swap, swap oh, them out at his house. Oh, good. So um, what he does is he, he has a farm with 900 jujube trees. Awesome. And so what he does is he digs a hole under mm-hmm. each jujube tree and he buries it. Oh,
1: neat. Okay.
0: And so he doesn't have to do anything with it. Okay. So he's not trying to produce soil. He's trying yeah. to enrich his land. So awesome. one great way to use Bokashi on your land is okay. to just bury it. And then that creates enrichment to the soil and the way um, I've been to Ron's farm as well and and Ed's farm, the way they set it up is they'll do it, they'll set up their Bokashi trench or their little like hole um, kind of on a higher part of the land that kind of seeps down almost like permaculture, right? Yeah. So it's like seeping down into the ground where they have other things planted as well. So it's... It's kind of spreading the love. Yeah. And um, and so that's one way to do it. I've seen it done also where you dig a trench like under – let's say you were doing some rows, like gardening rows. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd dig a trench under the gardening rows and bury your bokashi waste there awesome. and then plant on top of it. Awesome. So, you'd, I mean, you'd want to dig pretty deep and yeah. then cover it with some soil. But yeah. what will happen over the next six to eight weeks and then after that is mm-hmm. just – really really amazing fast growing like beautiful nutrient rich food.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I feel like that's like for like the layperson who's mm-hmm. home and doesn't really know what's going on with all of this stuff. I feel like that would be super super helpful. Yeah. And the fact that you like make it so much fun to listen to like the party part. Yeah, it's a party. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about this like awesome little microbial party. Yeah, with
0: like little worms <laughs> yeah. and beetles and all the all the good bugs, you all know, they just kind of come it, up. They right? just yeah. yeah, it's amazing. That's
1: so great. Yeah. Well, I think we're pretty much at the point where we're wrapping up this podcast session, even though I think that you're just this incredible wealth of amazingness (laughs) and I want to sit here and listen to you talk forever. But is there anything, you know, I haven't really like dialed in my like, you know, my cool thing about my podcast, right? Right. Like, oh, well, I want you to name like five bad words or something or, you know, like whatever the thing (laughs) is. But, you know, one thing I am and most people who tend to sit in these seats are with, you know, with me, it seems like is a total nerd and I love geeking out on things. So just like, you know, last thought, is there anything you're just geeking out on right now? Just super excited about hardcore compost. (laughs) Like I'm (laughs)
0: become a compost nerd. Yeah, and all I like. I was recently asked name three things you could talk about forever, Uh and one of the things I said was clean water Uh because we're we're um, working on on a pretty big clean water project that's going to launch on Giving Tuesday. Um, Compost is the other one, and probably surfing
1: awesome that sounds <laughs> so, like a really enriched and enriching life right there that's yeah. awesome so if anybody wants to follow you reach you what are your i mean i'll post all of your social media and yeah. all of that kind of stuff but what's the best way to kind of keep track of what you're up to
0: so me personally i'm action sports law on instagram awesome. um and on facebook we have a uh, community compost movement mm-hmm. and on instagram it's at community compost movement and awesome. same with changing tides foundation it's at changing tides foundation on instagram and on facebook
1: easy peasy yeah. thank and you and we have
0: so much. sorry we have yeah. website <laughs> our website far. for community compost movement <laughs> is communitycompostmovement.org and changing tides foundation.org and if you're curious about wakashi composting we have Quite a bit of wealth of knowledge on awesome. uh, on there, and you can write us. Also, we love talking about it, and we're nerds. So Wait, you like
1: talking about yeah. compost, <laughs> you know? So just
0: write us, ask okay. us questions. And what we really ultimately want to do with the movement, with the community uh-huh. compost movement, is really empower people to launch community compost movements in their own communities. Awesome. So yeah, I love
1: that. It's yeah. it's such a growing group of people who just really care and want to provide solutions. Yeah. And you're amazing. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much for joining our podcast. Um, this was growing a food movement. It was very very good food and thank you again to Specialty Produce for letting us do this.